Hey, Chirocasters, the word of today is pure. And by pure, what I mean is how my sponsors view chiropractic, right, in the same sense that I do, right? We keep, as PJ said, chiropractic pure and unsullied and undefamed. So I really like the way they work with things because they believe in keeping everything pure. Uh, ChiroWrite, PCD, and now you know they are with pure chiropractic. They're with the philosophical chiropractic. That, to me, is the most important thing. This is part two of part three from the Pediatric Summit, and I'm excited to bring part two to you. And now here's the podcast. Pediatric Chiropractic Association, right? That's what it should say, but it doesn't. And I want that to change, so I'm asking you to participate in that. But just imagine, let me get back to this. Imagine 99 out of 100 newborns have cranial cervical sacral strain. What does that mean to you? We should be adjusting 99 out of 100 kids. Now, we really should be adjusting 100. But, okay, I'll take 99. I'll be okay with 99 out of 100 kids. Right? Isn't that right? But is that what's helping? No. No. And you know who's taking care of the kids? It's like this small, itty, like even we have 60,000 chiropractors. My guess, my guess would be maybe 5,000 chiropractors adjust kids on a regular basis, like a good portion of kids. And maybe of those 5,000, maybe like a 1,000 are actually really pediatric, quote-unquote, chiropractors, where this 40, 50, 60%, like in my practice, or Dr. Terry, Terry and Stu's practice, right? That's, to me, what the norm should be, right? Back pain, you know, the PTs want to take back pain, and here's my suggestion. Let them. Let them. Good. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Right? They became doctors of physical therapy for that reason. Let them take it. But I want this. I want the kids. Give me the kids. Because the kids are the future. Right? And the pregnant moms are the future. And to me, that's what's the most important thing. So what I want you guys to think about now is I'm, I'm going to introduce this concept. And I'm writing a paper on this right now. And it's called Mild Non-Traumatic Brain Injury non-traumatic brain injury, mild non-traumatic brain injury, right? So these are the other forces. This is the non-trauma forces, right? These are the thoughts. These are the toxins. And I'll show you some papers that will further uh, elucidate what we're talking about and prove my point that an interesting point, sad but interesting, is none of them are chiropractic papers, right? I'm always studying the medical journals because they prove what I do. So the question is, if you had cranial or cervical strain in utero, might this mild non-traumatic brain injury be the result? Can a child later, and here's the big question, is can a child later on diagnosed with autism start with an in utero or birth concussion-like injury? Is that possible? The answer is yes. The answer is yes, because when I, I see a very large percentage of autistic children in my practice. That's just one of the big things that I happen to attract because of the studying that I've done. So if you take care of a lot of children with autism, what you start to notice is a pattern. And here's the pattern, right? Every single new patient who comes in who has acute autism, I say, how was your pregnancy? How was your birth? What's their first year like? And they tell me the same things over and over and over again. So how was their pregnancy usually? Miserable, right? Hyperemesis, or this, the bed rest, or blah, 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 some sort of big problem with their pregnancy. How is the birth? Usually a challenge kind of birth, sometimes a traumatic birth, sometimes a C-section. What happened in their first year? Did they have any latching and nursing problems? Oh, yeah, they couldn't nurse, they had to give them a bottle. Did they have uh, any colic reflux? Oh, yeah, gosh, or golly, they screamed, bloody murder, they had to give them Prevacid and Pepsi. Did they have any ear infections? 
yes, that by the time three to six months rolled out, ear infections. And so this is a pattern. It's a pattern that I see. Not in all of them, but in so many of the cases, it starts with the pregnancy and then continues with the birth and continues during that first year. So what's happening is that in utero or concussion of forces, quote unquote, is affecting that child downstream, right? Because the cerebellum is being injured at some point in time, either during the, the pregnancy or right at birth or sometime during their first year, that cerebellum is being injured. And that's creating a diastasis in their term, right? Not my term. This is their term. It's, a, it's an upstream versus downstream thing. You have a diastasis over here. And that causes a focal injury into the prefrontal cortex. And when there's a prefrontal cortex injury, you're not going to notice that until the kid is one, two, or three years old, right? And how are you going to start noticing that? You have know, less eye contact, less social skills, right? Uh, you know, less verbalization. So when you look at this thing, what's happening is if there's a problem over here, Right, this, that's what I meant, this diastasis. That diastasis over here creates a problem down over here. But you can't pick that up right away. You have to pick that up later on, right? But here's the thing with chiropractic. This is to me the, the crux of why I do what I do. Because if we can take care of them early enough, do you think we can change that? Do you think we can change that? Yeah. Absolutely, because I know, and I know that I know, that I've had moms come in with kids in there who are newborns who had the horriblest possible birth, etc. And I start taking care of them. And those kids started off really rocky road, but then I see them normalized. And by the time they're two or three years old, these kids are totally fine. Now, can I say with any authority, well, if that kid wasn't adjusted, then he would have ended up on the spectrum more with ADHD or developmental disorders. Could I say that? No. Because how could you predict what this kid would have, right? But I just, it's just, you just know, right? Because you see it so many other times where the kids who weren't adjusted and they come in three years old and they have the same history as this kid, except the difference is this kid was adjusted, this kid wasn't. Right? We got a lot of work to do, guys. We got a lot of work to do. So, it started making me think about all these other things. So, I've been in practice just like Dr. Uh, and the cool thing about Dr. Stu and Terry is I graduated from life in 1989. They graduated in 1990, right, right behind us, right? So it's kind of cool. We had a, that was a good year, right? That was a good year. Um, so since we've been in practice, concussions have risen dramatically, right? 2.5 million teens report having a concussion in the last couple of years. But here's the interesting thing. It's not just concussions, right? There's so many other things. So epilepsy. You know that epilepsy is more than ever before. More, I don't know about you guys, but I'm seeing more kids with seizures than ever before. Right? They're coming in with all these crazy seizures. And it's not just epilepsy. It's these, all these other weird seizure disorders and absence seizures and this seizure and that kind of seizure thing. Dramatic rise. Autism has skyrocketed. It just switched from 1 in 68 to 1 in 59 according to the CDC. Right? What was, what was the autism rate when I was a kid? In 1960s, what was the autism rate? One in 10,000. One in 10,000. Now it's one in 59. I think that's a, a significant trend that, to me, is showing some alarming statistics. Uh, ADHD has, has changed 43% increase in the diagnosis for ADHD in the last eight years. Suicide rate has increased 25% since 1999. 555 mass shootings in the last couple, in like several years, 
Right. Alzheimer's, and this is an interesting thing. I know this is a pediatric thing, so I apologize that I'm using some non-pediatric things here. But Alzheimer's has increased 55% over the last 15 years. I want you to think about something. There's a similarity between Alzheimer's and autism. I'll show you a paper about this. Hello? There's a similarity between Alzheimer's and autism. <laughs> she can't believe she's hearing this. Where's that coming from? <laughs> Very funny. So, there's a similar, what was it? Alzheimer's, there's a similarity between Alzheimer's and autism. And you know what the similarity is? If you really think about it, it's, it's brain issues, right? They have communication problems, right? They have eye problems. They have language disorder issues, right? It's just one's early and one's late, right? That's a huge similarity, right? If they're doing more and more research into this, and they're finding that some of these kids have similar brain protein issues that they see in Alzheimer's that they're seeing in autism. Parkinson's has massively increased over the last 30 years. Brain disorders by the numbers from MIT, brain disorders including developmental psychiatric and neurodegenerative diseases represent an enormous disease burden. I'm going to tell you what Dr. Melillo, who is one, another one of my heroes in chiropractic, told us a number of years ago. The biggest problem of our time is not obesity, it's not diabetes, it's brain problems. The, that's the biggest problem of our time, is brain problems. And the thing is, is that nobody's doing a thing about it except for us. Right? You can do all these great exercises, you can get the luminosity thing in your phone and play on the phone exercises and whatever and try to, to memorize different amount of numbers and which, what, which thing was over here and like, you know, those kind of games. But, but that's not the answer. Right? The answer is get the brain and nerve system working the way it's supposed to. That's the answer. From the World Health Organization, neurological disorders, public health challenges. There is ample evidence that pinpoints neurological disorders as one of the greatest threats to public health. I don't think it's one of the greatest threats. I think it's the greatest threat to public health. The greatest threat to public health. Now look at this. This is mortality and top 10 cause of death from 1900 to 2010. So way back in 1900, what was the number one reason why someone died? The number one reason by far was infections. Number one reason by far was infections. Right now, the number one reasons are what? And you can't read that, but cancer and heart disease. Medical system. Yeah, medical system. Yeah, that's probably true. Of course, that's conveniently left out of this. <laughs> <laughs> so here's mortality from infectious diseases during that time period plummeting like this. And here's cancer and heart disease rising up like this, right? So that's what they're thinking. But I think that that's not the number one health problems, right? The number one health problems right now is what's wrong with our brains. And, and here's the thing, it's not just in pediatrics. That's why we need to have a whole geriatric, like, uh, chiropractic thing, too. Not that I am particularly fond of adjusting geriatric patients. It's just not my bag. I like the kids. But they have spines and brains and nerve systems, too. So that'll leave that for another seminar. However, but the problem is on both ends. Well, actually, the problem is all the way through. Uh, but both ends have the biggest kind of problems, and we really need to, to start focusing more and more about this. So but let's talk a little bit about concussions, because uh, Dr. Chung talked about it. I think I want to just piggyback on his stuff, you know, too. So how many of you guys have had concussions, right? Yeah, I've had concussions, too. I'm a hockey player. Um, so here's uh, some of my hockey career 
uh, stuff here. Um, I have had a number of concussions. All the concussions I had were when I was younger. Um, one of the, 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 the two worst concussions I had, one was right over here, I'm 13 in this picture over there, uh, uh, and it was maybe, I think I was 14 or 15. I was playing up, so uh, I was in the, like the junior, and they actually put me into the senior league because they wanted to kind of get me more experience. And I was a goalie uh, for quite a while. And I was standing uh, in the net like this, and, I, uh, and someone was about where this chair is in the second row over here, took a slap shot, and hit me like this, square in between the eyes. But back then, they didn't have the cages that we wear now, you know, uh, to play hockey. They had the mask, you know, the Jason mask from Friday the 13th? That's the mask. So this thing hit me like this, slap shot went, doosh, like this, and I just went, like timber, <laughs> right down. My coach ran onto the ice, and he uh, went up, and he would never do this today, right, because they're trained. But he tried to wake me up, Ruben, Ruben, and he lifted up my head, and I, I passed out. I was going for a few seconds. And then he lifted up my head, and as he lifted up my head, I opened my eyes, and the mask went crack, and the crack down the middle. Right, so if you feel my head right over here, you'll actually feel what that, what that was right here. Um, so that was the first concussion that I uh, had because I, I did pass out. The second one I had was when I was here at SUNY Albany. I played Division Three hockey there. Um, and a goal is what we often do is we go behind the net like this to stop the puck, right, this, and then pass it up to our defender uh, to start a play. So uh, the puck was going behind the net. I went behind the net like this to stop the puck. And I, I, did, I looked like this, and I heard out of the corner of my eye, <laughs> which is the sound of like someone skating pretty fast towards you. And I thought it was one of my defensemen that I was going to pass the puck to him. So I look at the corner like this, and all of a sudden, right over here, I see it wasn't one of my defensemen. It was one of the forwards from the other team. And this is what I see of him. I see his, his elbow, and he goes like this. Boom! Underneath my chin, like this. Now, I don't remember this because I was out at that moment. But my teammates said I went in the air, into the boards, boom, and then slid down. And was out for a couple seconds. And then uh, the coach came running out. And, get, and by the way, back then, guess what they used to say to someone after you had a hit like that? Get up, Ruben! Skate it off! Right? That was my entire, you know, healing process. It was about five seconds. Because return to play was five seconds long. Um, so I, I skated, and I was like, whoo! You know, I saw the, you know, little spinning things you see. Uh, but then after a couple of seconds, I was, you know, I kind of got my bearing and played the rest of the game. Um, probably wasn't the greatest idea in the world. Uh, probably has something to do with my craziness now. Um, but those are, so real concussions, right? Real concussions. Probably anybody who's had any kind of sports, played any kind of sports, has probably had some kind of concussion. So they're they're very pervasive, right? And people talk about concussions like where they're all coming from. But if you play sports, you do almost anything. You're probably going to have a concussion, you know. And it, it comes from car accidents, right? They come from falls. So I think concussions are a lot more common than we ever really talked about. Um, but the, the problem is, why are we having so many problems, right? So here's the, the, the myth, the, the myth of what concussions used to be is that you used to only think that a concussion was a direct blow to the head. Now we realize, like I just said, it can be from a car accident, it can be from falls, it can actually be from, like, this, uh, there was a, a write-up uh, I, I read recently where a young lady was dancing, and she was dancing like, and she had very long hair, and she was kind of flinging her hair back and forth like this, and she actually developed a concussion because she was doing it so violently and with such vigor that she didn't guess. Not your, not your standard way to get a concussion, but it is, it is a possible way to get a concussion. Um, so uh, for those of you who have uh, who dance, uh, try not to do that. 
Um, so that's the myth number one. Myth number two is that anybody who has a concussion has a loss of consciousness. And that was the old thought process, but it's actually not true that uh, concussions may occur, or usually do occur, if you had a loss of consciousness, but it's not necessary. It's not an absolute prerequisite. So this young lady, as an example, she was banging her head back and forth like this, uh, but she never experienced loss of consciousness, but she did, in fact, develop a concussion. Um, the risk is the same for everyone. The, actually, that's not true, that, believe it or not, there are different categories of risk factors that Dr. Chung was mentioning earlier, and one of the most important risk factors to understand is that actually being a female is a huge risk factor. Females who have concussions actually take longer to heal than males, believe it or not. So the, the same, like everything else taken aside, females have a longer time in healing a, uh, from a concussion. Younger children have a longer time healing from concussion. So a younger child, a child who's like 10 years old or younger, actually has a longer potential healing period from concussion. Why do you think that is? Because their brains are growing still, right? They're growing brains. So the younger a child is with a concussion, the more potential is going to be for problems, right? A person who's already predisposed to headaches, in other words, they already get headaches, a kid or an adult who already gets headaches, or a kid or adult who already has migraines, they have a much longer time in healing from concussion. So, so these kind of, so these things separate. It's not just one concussion doesn't fit, you know, fit all. And then this one over here, all concussion treatments and recoveries are alike. That answer is no. Did you know there's six kinds of concussions? There's six different kinds of concussions, right? It's not just one, right? And Dr. Chong was, was mentioning this a little bit. There, there is the, the typical kind of concussions that we all know about, like the cervical genic concussion that he you know, had mentioned. Right? But then there's the migraine-type concussion, which is, is a, a similar issues, but it, the person is not just having neck pain and some headaches, but really having migraines, which are you know, more severe, like that. There's a vestibular kind of concussion. There's oculomotor kind of concussion. There's cognitive concussions, where people don't have some of the more physical symptoms, but they have more of the cognitive symptoms. And there's also mood and behavioral kind of concussions, where, which I've seen a number of, where kids come into the practice who used to be like one a child, I remember a couple of years ago, came in and the kid was a wrestler, like a big tough wrestler kind of dude. And, but he came in like crying. And the dad's like, I don't know what happened to him. Ever since he got a concussion, the kid's like, like he won't wrestle and he cries all the time. And he used to like go out there and like kill people. That was just like, he was like this ravenous to just pin someone. And now he's afraid to wrestle. Right? He's not the same kid, right? And so that's the more the behavioral kind of concussions. There's six different kinds of concussions. So interesting things. You know, so we used to think that it was just direct head trauma, but there's so many other things. Another way to get a concussion, too, is explosions, right? So if you take care of a lot of military, if you're near some kind of a base, a military base, or you happen to take care of uh, police or firemen or uh, people in the military who've experienced con uh, explosions, there was never any physical force applied to them, like, you know, like someone hitting them. But that concussion of force, the concussion can come from the explosion causing these kind of issues. So we'll see that with a lot of these people. Like I said, spinning or whipping the head around. Um, here's another interesting thing is, is subconcussive events. Um, CTE, the, the chronic traumatic encephalopathy that Dr. Chung was talking about, a lot of that doesn't necessarily come from just getting concussions. It's from the person who plays football and gets like 20,000 hits during the course of their career. Right? It's not necessarily just the concussions. It's the little hit, 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 the little hit. Thousands and thousands of times that this has happened that create concussions. So the question remains then is, and, and we can ask, we can kind of substitute this word concussions with why more autism, why more ADHD, all that kind of stuff. So 
number one is, is there more diagnosis and recognition? And what's the answer to that? Absolutely. There's absolutely been more diagnosis and recognition. There's more ways to understand this. There's more testing, right? There's more uh, people are kind of, you know, is out there in the media, et cetera. So absolutely, that's certainly, you know, part of it. Um, what, getting back to concussions, one thing I want to think about is, is, is the increase in text, neck, and sedentary lifestyle, is that creating more potential for creating concussions? Absolutely, right? When you guys were all kids, right, you guys didn't have smartphones to sit there like this and iPads and, and stuff. Now we got kids sitting, you know, all the, what is this? Oh my gosh, this light. Well, anyway, so I had a great picture of this young lady whose her head was like way down like this, sitting.